Hey, good morning, Eastern Oregon, and welcome to this December 14th version of AM Live on EOA, your connection to Eastern Oregon, here on the EOA Network. How are you, man? Morning. How's it going? First Friday. First Friday. <laughs> yep. We're only and 11 days until Christmas. I know. I was trying to think of that, what that is. I, I actually succeeded in, in getting some Christmas presents, and so that's like... <laughs> doing better than me <laughs> so wait if today's the 14th 15th would be friday 16th 18th so christmas is on a monday yeah yeah that so, means new year's is on a monday too yeah it's kind of weird this year well it's better than it being in the middle of the week yeah it means at least you get three day weekends yeah um so yeah and i don't think we're going to do a show on the 26th, yeah. So, it's up to you. Yeah, I'll, I'll be on the road coming home on the 26th, yeah, because okay. we're going to go over and see Michaela and stuff. We draw names in our family, and so uh, so I don't, I mean, other than the grandkids, all of the grandkids get something from us, but as far as on my side of the family that we draw names. and, and So you don't have to get presents for everybody? No. It's oh. not, not quite, not, not quite as intense because yeah. there's, oh. yeah. I mean, I mean it's a commercial adults, holiday. There's eight of adults, yeah, between us, yeah. Get a bag of coal. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I did, I did, I did successfully get something for Tanya, which is like, yeah. What'd you get her? I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> she, she's not going to watch this. No, she she, she won't. Yeah, unless somebody, but somebody might tell her. It's like, yeah. hey, Brent said what, but she's going to be surprised. Huh. Put it that way. Oh, that's good. Yeah, she's not expecting what trying it is. To, you, you, are you in the hole on brownie points or are you trying to get ahead? Well, normally we don't <laughs> buy each other Christmas presents. You know, I mean, I mean, it's just kind of, and I mean, it's kind of the same thing for, I mean, we'll might get, I'll get her something for anniversary or, her birthday, or for her birthday, Valentine's but, but day. it's not, yeah. I mean, we just normally don't, we, we could, you know, and yeah. it's kind of funny because, you know, the other day we were talking about, I was talking about growing up poor and it's like, I'm, there are times it's like, I still want presents, man. I, on birthday, you know, every opportunity I want. Yeah, some, I don't yeah. really care. But personally. I'm but I'm hard to buy for, you know. I yeah. mean, and because I mean, any technological thing out there that I can justify as a business expense, I I just get, you know. And yeah. so, so there's just there's not much that I'm just. I mean, that's how older people are when they get to that point. It's like they've accumulated all the stuff they want in their life. Best present, like, for me is cook. Cook for me. Make me some food. All right. I'm happy with that. Tomorrow night. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I, I, I don't, I'm, trying, I'm not into the whole present I've been, been trying to decide we're having, our, we're having our company Christmas thing tomorrow night, and which I thought about maybe having steak. How do you like? I would not complain. How do you, how do you like your steak cooked? However. Uh, but I, I like it like re medium rare, but I'll yeah. eat it however it's cooked. I don't complain. Yeah. So, yeah, Bennett, how do you like your steak? Medium rare. So yeah, it's I'll like, take it however, though. Yeah, it's like, and I think that's what. He would be picky. I asked, I asked Gabe, and he said uh, he likes his rare. Him and his girlfriend both like theirs rare. Yeah, I don't care. I, I would eat it even if it was rare. I, I wouldn't complain. Yeah. So, like in a restaurant, I never send food back. No way. <laughs> I don't. I don't either. No I'm way. Not. I've seen the movie Waiting, where they do bad things to if your food. You send in the it back. back. Yeah. Yeah. Not. <laughs> no way. Not doing it. Nope. I'll just be happy with it. You yeah, know. Like, if if I say no tomatoes and it comes with tomatoes, I'll take them out. Yeah. You know what I mean? No big deal. Whatever. I'm not sending it back and getting it dropped on the floor. Or, a loogie hawked in it or whatever. You know, <laughs> no, I'm not doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that has happened, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure it yeah, does. Because, I mean, they made a whole movie about it. Yeah, I have a, uh, I have a friend who, I mean, he's retired now, but he was a cop. And, and he, was, he was always nervous about uh, 
going through the drive-up particular. I mean, he because people yeah, were know that he was a cop. And I yeah. used to mess with the cops here when I worked at Burger King. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't do anything bad to their yeah. stuff. But, like, one time the guy came through and ordered extra pickles, and I gave him extra pickles. You gave him a whole... Uh, the, yeah. <laughs> extra. Extra. <laughs> I just kind of figured, like, it would be a joke. You know, yeah. he can pick them off if he doesn't want yeah. that many. You know what I mean? It's pretty funny. Yeah. yeah. All right, you want to do sports? Let's do it. All right. Morning Sports Report brought to you by Northwest Furniture and Mattress. Go check out their showroom. They have a spectacular showroom. They have a great selection of recliners, mattresses, home furnishings, big red rocking chair on Elm off Adams in LeGrand, Northwest Furniture and Mattress. LeGrand Boys Basketball plays tonight versus Fruitland right here at home. Tip-off at 7 p.m. Um, they got to get things going. I mean, they've won one game so far out of five. Uh, so hopefully they can get a big dub at home tonight against Fruitland. Girls travel to Vail tomorrow for a 6.30 mountain time tip-off against the Vikings, who are undefeated. Vail's undefeated. They're a really tough uh, 3A girls basketball team. So that'll be a test for our uh, girls' basketball team. LHS Boys Wrestling is at Tri-State this weekend, which is one of the toughest tournaments that they're going to be in all year. I mean, including the state tournament. You, you, there's always a bunch of studs at Tri-State, so that'll be a good test for LHS. I think Kai Carson is back from an injury. He didn't get to wrestle. Two-time state champion, didn't get to wrestle at the Meilenberg, which was kind of kind of a bummer, you know what I mean? And And... He, he's it's his senior year and he's missing out on some really important uh, tournaments. So hopefully he gets to wrestle this weekend at Tri-State. EOU men's and women's basketball are in Portland this weekend for the Multnomah Warner Pack trip. Um, let's they, they need to get things on track. The men's team especially. Women's team have dropped three in a row. They were picked to win the CCC and they got to turn it around now. This conference is tough and and you can't start out in the hole in this conference. So they got to make something happen this weekend. EOU Men's Wrestling is in Reno for the weekend. They duel Montana State Northern and St. Ambrose University on Friday. And then it's the Reno Tournament of Champions on Sunday and Monday for the men. And then the Women's Wrestling will send some of their squad to Reno to take on Wayland Baptist on Friday. While some of them will be in California at the Women's West Coast Tournament of Champions. Yesterday, I dropped the first Wrestling Wednesday of the year with Clell Carson and Dustin Azure, and they talked about influential things that have been said to them in the wrestling world. Have a look. I think just uh, probably my dad, you yeah. know, just let me know that, you know, one day sitting me down after, uh, let's see, as my after my freshman year, All-American, my sophomore year, I was kind of having a roller coaster season like we were trying to figure it out if it was mental if it was a weight cut if it was my strength what it was and you know i think that what helped me turn the corner was just him saying you know everything about it. you know more than me here i love you no matter what happens no matter what you want i love you and i think that just helped me like boom here it is turn the corner now let's go so you felt like he gave you the keys to just the bus, like right? yeah like, to yeah. your own bus mm -hmm. i like that what about you, Quill? You got time to think about it. He, he had the advantage here. He got to sit there and think about it. He didn't even hear what you said because he was like running through it, running through it. He's got a whole head full of, of stuff that's been told to him. I do, man. That's a tough question. I mean, man, I think about I think about all the people that were my coaches, you know, like, man, I don't, like, I mean, you know, not just Burl Miller, but, you know, people like Fred Arch, you know, I think yeah. when you said that, the first thing that popped in my head was never was a horse couldn't be rode, never was a cowboy couldn't be thrown. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so, I mean, I thought about that. That was the first thing that popped in my head, but I don't know. I think that, like, all these coaches, Tom Kinney, you know, he always, he always says the difference between successful people and unsuccessful people is getting up in the morning. You know, so that's another one, you know, and, and uh, you know, just, I don't know. Burl says... Had a different quote every day, so yeah. it's like, uh, yeah. I don't know. I think just in, in our program, like all the people and coaches, like that I, that I was around, or people that I'm around every day, like just the th the common thread is just we're in, we're all in it to make great people, and that's what's to me. That's what I what I say, and I you know it's that's what Matt. That's the most important thing. Be a good person. AM Sports Report brought to you by 
Northwest Furniture and Mattress, Big Red Rocking Chair, on Elm, off Adams and Lagrange. All right. Yeah. Cool stuff. Was that fun with those guys? Yeah. 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 We didn't do one last year. We've done them. We, the original was to try to do it every couple weeks or every month, like yeah. three years ago. And we did it, and then we did it two years ago, and then with COVID and everything, like, we tried to make it work. And then last year, they were just – it's hard getting those two in the same room at the yeah. same time because they're both busy. I mean, look, you see Chloe, they're going to be in Idaho. Dustin's going to be in Reno, you know what I mean, the, especially this time of year. So, yeah, it was great. It was good – Good talks about wrestling, about just, you know, the, the not just LeGrand and EOU, but wrestling overall. We had the conversation about uh, being uh, girls wrestlers being able to double dip, which means girls wrestling can, young younger girls wrestlers can wrestle in the girls bracket, but then they can also wrestle in the boys bracket. And I think from middle school on, you shouldn't be able to do that. Yeah. Because you... As long as there's enough to have a girls' tournament, girls should be wrestling girls from middle yeah. school, in my eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, let's look outside at the weather. It's kind of the same as what it has been the last couple of days. There was a little bit of sunshine yesterday. That was nice. Uh, it looks cold out there. Yeah, it is chilly. So what is? Let's look at the what the weather for the next couple of days. Uh, so 39 high today. 41, 42, and 43 Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So it's just going to get warmer, warmer, warmer. Yeah, by a degree. <laughs> but not not much precipitation No. Uh, over the next few days. Which so, is, I mean, well, it's not cold enough to snow anyway, so it would have just been rain, which would have been even more miserable. Yeah, yeah. It, it gets really, I mean, it was that way on Sunday where it was just like it dumped snow and then it just was sloppy. Yeah. Wet, yeah. I wonder if we're just going to have a really late winter. It's going to be winter in like May. Well, and it could be, which that can be, for, which can be a ton of problem. Sports. Yeah. Well, and part of it, you know, part of that is is that that messes up the farmer's schedule too because they're late getting into the field, you know, or when it or when it does come down, when it melts, it just everything comes at once and it just creates a real mess. So, yep. Who knows? Cool. Alrighty. Well, uh, Rob Cashel, the Cascade Collegiate Conference Commissioner, wow, that's a mouthful, uh, is going to be with us here in just a minute. Uh, he has spent a significant amount of time right here in Lagrand and uh, at EOU and is currently lives in Corvallis, right? Corvallis. Yep. So he'll be with us right after this. Eastern Oregon is full of interesting people with interesting minds and interesting things to say. Here at EO Live, we're committed to connecting you to these intriguing people with EO Talks. We let our special guests share their ideas and life experiences with deep, open, engaging, and inquisitive conversations. You'll also be informed in depth on some of the most recent and relevant events, issues, and more. EO Talks on EO Live, your connection to Eastern Oregon, now on Roku. Here in Eastern Oregon, we're blessed to live in such a wonderful area. And though it may seem mild-mannered, there's actually quite a lot that goes on in this area. And apparently, there's two dinguses who happen to be here that are actually crazy enough to get up at the crack of dawn to talk about it. Tune in to AM Live on EOA with Brent and Dodzy, featuring special guests, weather, sports, news, and more, every Tuesday and Thursday at 8 a.m., only on EOA Live, your connection to Eastern Oregon, now on Roku.
All righty. I think we're back. Can you hear us, Rob? I can. Can you hear me? Okay. Damn. <laughs> we got to work yeah. out. All right. Good. You might you might have to turn him up just a little bit, Benny, if adjust his volume. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. How are you guys? We're doing great. Yeah. Good to, good to talk with you and glad things are going good for you. So you're in Corvallis now, is that right? I am, yeah. Uh, Heather and I moved over here in uh, 2019 and, and uh, I've been here since then. All right. So uh, are you hearing, can you hear him okay, Benny? Okay, good. Um, so wait, you lived, wait, you, you, you lived over here and you were the commissioner for seven years? Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, uh, when I was in Legrand, uh, took over this job as commissioner and, uh, and was the commissioner while we were living there and yeah. then moved over here in 19. Was that a lot of driving? Uh, you know, it, 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 it's all kind of depends on where the championships are. Right. Um, lately I've been spending as much time going back over to EOU and college of Idaho because, uh, you know, the, the programs have been so solid and, and championships have been there or in a rotation, um, you know, we've, we've had championships there track and field as an example was there last year and, and women's wrestling. So yeah, it, uh, it's all kind of the, the the luck of the draw. You're either either driving east or west. Yeah, that's cool. And that's the cool part is you get to like come back to the place where I mean, you were the athletic director here for what eleven years. Yeah, two thousand one to two thousand twelve was uh, was the AD at Eastern. So yeah, I had a had a pretty good run there. What a what brought a Frontier Conference guy to the CCC. <laughs> Well, you know, that, that's a great question. Um, and, and I was the, uh, I was the athletic director at Montana Western. Um, it was called Western Montana college at the time from, uh, 90, 1995 to 2001. And, um, I had gone to school there and, and done a lot of different things there, uh, professionally worked in admissions and housing development, uh, did a lot of things in athletics, et cetera. So for me, it was just, kind of time to branch out and, and, and do something different. Um, I had been, been in uh, Montana my entire life, grew up there and, and just was ready for a change and a challenge and wanted to see if I could, you know, be successful uh, somewhere else as well. So the EOU opportunity came open and um, applied for it, was fortunate enough to, to uh, have an opportunity and, and we had, uh, you know, we had 18 great years in Legrand, and and I loved every minute of it. Yeah, ba- basically raised your daughters here. I mean, from from the time they were little all the way through high school. Yeah, when uh, yeah Hannah was Hannah was four, not quite four when we moved, and and Elizabeth was uh, just over two uh, when we moved. No, excuse me, just over one when we moved. Wow. So yeah, we had. Uh, we had little ones and, and Heather and I, um, you know, Heather's from Montana as well. So all of our family uh, was there. So we were kind of um, striking out a little bit on our own, if you will, as, as a young family. And, and um, but, you know, Legrand, uh, very similar to where we were at. Uh, we, we grew up in a rural area, um, small town. Uh, I, I remember when I interviewed, uh, you know, people were asking if you you're going to be okay in a small town and and, and i remember saying hey uh legrand's twice as big as the town we're living in now so yeah we're going to be fine yeah yeah definitely. so and where in montana were you raised well i grew up in butte montana okay uh, and then my wife uh my wife grew up in Dillon, which is about 60 miles uh, south yeah and uh that's where that's where uh, we both went to school was montana western and, and um so yeah western montana very rural very uh um you know a lot of outdoor activity matter of fact i mean when we first pulled into Legrand, i remember saying man this 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 looks and feels like home so yeah you know that ma- that made the transition uh really pretty easy from that standpoint we were used to it used to a small town and and all those great things that a, that a small town brings yeah. yeah. And I, I totally get that because I was, you know, grew up in Wyoming and, you know, and, and we spent a lot of time in Montana when I, I mean, and I have family in Kalispell and, 
So I made a lot of road trips that direction and through that area. So I, I totally get it. And Butte, that was the home of Evil Knievel, right? Yeah. It, it sure was, yeah. <laughs> Evil Knievel from Butte. Huh. Uh, yeah. yeah, also uh, uh, unbelievable mining town, um, yeah. copper mining. At, at one point, it was uh, the largest copper mine in, in the world. Um, so kind of a boom and bust kind of a, a community with, with mining and everything. But yeah, Evil Knievel. Uh, yeah, I, not, yeah, not a lot of people know that. I mean, it's like, yeah, we're kind of showing our age there, Rob. So, but, <laughs> but yeah, he was, man, he was a big thing in the 80s or whenever that was. So, oh, yeah. man, yeah, late 70s, um, early 80s and stuff. And, you know, when we grew up, uh, Butte had a big Fourth of July parade, not unlike other communities, but, um, when, when Evil was back in town, because he kept a home in, in yeah. Butte, um, when he was, you know, traveling all over the world and doing his doing his thing, but when he was in town, he would be in the parade and he'd have all of his semis and you know all of his <laughs> and he'd he'd ride his motorbike up and down the parade route and do all of the, you know, he wouldn't do any jumps, but he'd do the, you know, the wheelies and I mean, as kids, you were just in, enthralled. You loved it. Yeah, it was kind of funny because I mean, thinking back on it, he was kind of like this combination of. Elvis and a motorcycle. I mean, he was, he was really at the very beginning of the take the show on the road thing. And, you know, I mean, anyhow, that was what a, what an error that was. So, yeah, so then, yeah, for sure. So then have you, have you always, what about like your support for Carroll college? Has that always been a, you know, when you're here, was that, was that ever a conflict for you? It was like, okay, I'm, you know, because was were you one of their supporters and fans when you were there? Uh, supporter or fan? No. Uh, hey, when I was at Montana Western, you know, we were. We, I was all in on Montana Western, and yeah, when rivals, I was at Eastern, right? I was right. all okay. in on Eastern. Um, yeah. You know, uh, you, you have a healthy respect for everybody, um, but yeah, hey, when I was when I was a bulldog, I was a bulldog, and when I was a mountaineer. I'm a mountaineer and, and you want to win and, and, uh, you know, you want to do it the right way, but man, Hey, you, you want to, you want to beat them guys and, and just as bad as they want to beat you. Yeah. Didn't you go to, uh, Northern too? I did. I got my master's uh, degree from Northern. So yeah, I've, I've, uh, so I, I've, my undergrad is from Montana Western and then, um, I have a, a master's degree from Montana Northern. Wow. Um, did you grow up, are you same era, like same age as Brad Mills? He's from Butte. Uh, Brad's a couple of years older than me. Yeah. Um, Craig, his younger brother, Craig, and I are a little closer in age. Uh, I think Craig was a year older than me. Um, and then Brad was a couple of years older. But yeah, we're, you know, kind of in that same era. But uh, Brad's a couple of years older. Yeah. Brad's EOU Hall of Famer. Yeah. Yeah. He sure is. Baseball guy, and, and uh, I think he's living up in Canada now, he if is, I'm not yep. mistaken. Yeah, he yeah. Is. He got remarried. And Craig, yeah, Craig, his brother, um, I think is still down in, in the Boise area. Uh, it might be Idaho Falls area, but yeah, great family. Um, yeah, I knew those guys growing up, and, and uh, for sure. Crazy how small the world is, you know what I mean? Like how people come you know what I mean because he was still living here when when you took over as athletic director for EOU he had to have been yeah he was still there and yeah. um and uh you know his daughter uh, obviously a great Played great basketball. athlete and and uh you know great athlete for LeGrand High School and then I, I think played one or two years for Angie um she did. Yep. and and then concentrated on school and stuff but yeah Lauren yeah, just uh, it was it was really cool when we moved to Legrand, knowing that you know uh, another another Montana guy was there. I hate to bring up this word, but I mean you you were the commissioner during probably the toughest two year stretch in Cascade Collegiate Conference history, and that's the big C word, COVID. Talk about that <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, it it was uh it it was a amazing time that's for sure and and um you know from from my standpoint um 
you know, not a whole lot changed for me personally because, um, you know, I work from home, so I was already kind of isolated, if you will, and, and, and didn't have that personal kind of disruption. Um, where the real disruption came, obviously, was uh, in not being able to participate. And then when we were able to participate, all of the things we had to do from a standpoint of testing and um, the daily health checks and, and then if something happened, when people had to be isolated and not, not be able to come back to their team and, and, you know, and then all the external stuff that was going on at the time. I remember when we were trying to get ready to participate, just out of the blue, the governor's office says, Oregon State and University of Oregon are free to play and they had a plan moving forward. Everybody else, you're shut down. And, and that was with, with zero warning, um, uh -huh. zero warning. We had no idea that was coming. Oh, that's crazy. Um, so, and we had a plan uh, and we had put our plan forward and, you know, the health department at the time just would not, wouldn't budge. Wow. And then slowly, then they let Portland State and University of Portland play because they were Division One, <laughs> and they're you know it, it's easy to it's easy to be critical looking back, but it's also you have to remember that people were making the best decisions they could with the information they had um, oh, on the fly. But uh, yeah, it was crazy. We couldn't play at our level. Uh, Division Two, II, Division Three couldn't play in the state of Oregon. And I remember kind of one of the things that, that just sent me over the edge was uh, um, they, they said we couldn't play at our level, but they let teams from out of state come and play. So I remember uh, Carroll College women's basketball came and played Oregon State during COVID. Yeah. But they wouldn't let, you know, Carol Bushnell played. or Corbin right. – which is right, you know, 30 yeah. minutes away. We couldn't play. That's crazy. Um, yeah, it, it was wild. You know, oh. Dodsey, during that time, we were really lucky, too. Uh, a professor at Corbin had uh, done all of her doctoral research in, um, in testing, in PCR testing. Oh, um, wow. and, and I learned a lot about COVID um, and a lot about PCR testing that I never thought I'd ever learn. But, you know, PCR testing has been around for a long time and it, and it certainly does more, you can test for more than just COVID. But she, she did all of her doctoral work in this area. So she actually early on provided us a pathway in which we could participate. So what we did is we partnered with her and with Santiam Hospital um, over in Staten, uh, Oregon. Yeah. And we were, we were having our student athletes at all of our institutions doing saliva testing. So they would get up, we'd have a schedule at like at Eastern Oregon university and the volleyball team would go in at six in the morning and, and do their saliva sample. And we would FedEx it to the hospital and, and they would do the, the, the testing. But what made it possible for us, because you guys remember at the time, you know, a PCR test was a couple hundred bucks every time yeah. you did it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we were able to do this saliva testing for $5 a test. Oh, wow. So big difference. So it, it allowed us to safely participate and it didn't break the bank. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, forever thankful to Sarah Comstock and, and, and her work and, and, and helping us get through that. But yeah, it was, it was a difficult time for sure. Yeah. I think the, the hardest part for me, like, as you know covering eou and and as a fan as well was just seeing the way that the the athletic directors and the sids were treated like at games it was terrible rob like people were just disrespectful they'd throw their masks on the ground it's like it's not these people that are right. making you wear this mask yeah you know what i mean and it was just hard it was one of those times where you're like man like that being an sid and an athletic director is already a hard enough job mm-hmm Let's not make it harder. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It was, um, you know, people's, 
I, I think people's true colors came out and, and you know, their, whether it was their political belief or their philosophical belief or whatever. And, and um, uh, yeah, the, you know, the, the SIDs, the athletic directors, uh, the athletic trainers, oh, yeah. um, they just worked so hard during that time. And, and um, you know, what, one of the things that really shone through for me during that time is how great our student athletes were man, they just, they got up, they went and did their testing. They, they wore the mask. They, they did everything we asked of them for the most part and, and just did a, an amazing job to not only participate in a, in a activity that they loved, but to more importantly, go to school and, and, and get everything done that they needed to get done. So when I look back on that time, that's one of the, one of the best things that I remember is how great our student athletes were. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, we have. I have a question for you. We um, we had uh, Police Chief Gary Bell and Jason were on the other day, and we were talking about. I think we were commiserating after the show offline, and you guys were talking about how the athlete athletes staying out of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> that changed a great deal when you became the athletic director here because you, uh, I don't know, maybe you explained that a little bit better than what I, I mean, I just thought it was an interesting conversation, Kyle. Yeah, it was basically like it, the, the whole integration of student athletes into the general public in LeGrand hadn't really like taken place as much until you got here. And, and there was this expectation of, of student athletes because even Chief Bell brought it up, like in the in the mid to early '90s, um, or mid to late '90s, it was pretty bad. I mean, there was some pretty bad big parties and and like fights and and just there wasn't the integration that there was today. You know what I mean? And and Chief Bell basically gave you a lot of that credit. He did, yeah. Is that something? Well, Go ahead and comment that, yeah, on that, that yeah. that's. Well, that that's certainly uh, nice to hear. Um, I, I think it goes back to just accountability, right? Um, most young people function pretty well if they know what's expected of them, um, and, and it's clearly defined, and and you and you lay out, hey, this is how we do things, and and um, and this is the expectation, and you know certainly we all are fallible and we're all going to make mistakes. But if you hold people accountable and love them through those mistakes, even if, even if the consequences are, Hey, you might not be part of the team anymore, or you might have to do some things that, that maybe you might not want to do, but, but it's accountability. And, and I think, I think that grew from how I grew up uh, personally and how I, uh, you know, how I saw, people that, that I valued, um, you know, treat athletics and, and, uh, you know, that where I grew up, Butte, Montana is an unbelievable sports town and, you know, they, they love it, uh, almost, uh, almost to a fault. And, <laughs> and, uh, you know, but with that came a lot of responsibility and accountability. Yeah. And I, I was always a big believer when I was in the athletic director role is, you know, athletics does not need to be a, a negative on, on a campus. Um, and, and many times you see that, right? Um, and and it, it can be a, a great addition to the campus and it can be something that's really, really positive. And, and for the most part, uh, you know, the students are working really, really hard academically. They're working hard in their sport. And, and then it's our job as administrators and coaches and to provide those those bumpers, if you will, of, hey, this is how this is how we're going to behave ourselves. And this is what the expectation is. And that all goes to it all goes back to holding people accountable um, and not just the student athletes. Right. Uh, you, you have to hold coaches accountable to the type of individuals they're recruiting. Um, yeah. You have to hold uh, hold everybody accountable to a standard that is what you want to represent, um, because Hey, Eastern Oregon is a, it, it's a huge part of LeGrand and that Valley. And, yep. and, uh, you know, you're representing not only 
Eastern Oregon University, but you're representing the people of La Grande, uh, the Valley, the Grand Ronde Valley. Um, so it, it's a, it's a big responsibility. Yeah. The, the CCC has grown from 12 to 23 teams since you've been the commissioner. Is that right? Yeah. When, when I took over as commissioner, we actually had 10 and we were losing ten. one Concordia. Concordia was going division two at the time. So we were going to be down to nine. So yeah, we have 12 full-time members now. And then we have 11, what we, what we term as associate members. And, right. And which don't have those are, all of the. Yeah. They, they participate in our league in uh, a certain amount of sports. So, so we have 12 full members and then 11 associate members. So over the last few years, especially the CCC has been pretty dang successful. I mean, I can sit here and rattle off teams, but take, take a chance to brag on the CCC a little bit. Well, you're right. And, and we've had great success in our league and, and, uh, you know, that goes back to, you know, what we were talking about earlier, uh, it coaches, really good coaches being hired by great administrators and, and recruiting not only great athletes, but great people and, and good students. And, you know, last year was probably, uh, our banner year in terms of national success. We had six national championship teams last year. We had, I think, 10 track and field individual national champions. Um, I think we had three wrestling national champions on the men's side and, and I think three or four on the women's side. Um, so, yeah, we and, and then we had we had two runner up places and a runner up in the beach volleyball invitational. So, yeah, it, it was a it was an unbelievable year last year. Um, and then, you know, we started off this year great. College of Idaho just won the women's cross-country national title. Uh, Khaki and, and EOU Mountaineers obviously were in the semifinals of volleyball for the second year. Um, yeah, so things are, things are looking great. What's the, uh, as the commissioner, so, so you're, you're in charge of everything, right? From marketing to, to you know, like hiring and firing of of your people, you know, your SID, all that. But then you're also like the image of the CCC. What's the hardest part about that job? Oh boy, that's a great question, Dodsey. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, and the reason it's a great question is because I, I don't know, it's hard to think of anything that's really, you know, super difficult or, or, uh, or something I dread. Um, you know, probably the probably the hardest part, and I, I would say even as a commissioner or even as an athletic director to a certain degree, is much of what you do is you are implementing policy. So that's a lot of what I do. I, I make sure that the policy that is voted on by the coaches and approved by athletic directors or council of presidents, et cetera, uh, I enforce those policies. Um, you know, there's very, very few things that I do independent of policy. So, um, you know, whether it's uh, the type of schedule we have or what do you do in a rainout, or how you do tiebreakers or, you know, who picks player of the week, all that kind of stuff. 99% of what I do is driven by policy that is agreed upon long before we start a season. Um, so I think probably the hardest thing is, is, is making sure or trying to get people who might not know to that detail, you know, what it is that you're actually doing. So, you know, if, if, uh, you know, if somebody is suspended for a, for a game or something like that, most of it is based off of either sport rule or policy that we've already enacted. Um, you know, how we do tiebreakers, uh, you know, things like that. Um, so yeah, that, that's probably the most difficult part is, is just trying to make sure, uh, you know, all the armchair quarterbacks and the pundits, um, who, who, uh, you know, think you're just making it up as you go. <laughs> that's funny. I mean, I fired you off a couple of emails before. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> uh, what about, yeah, but, but at least it, at least you asked the question and then allowed for the answer to be provided. Right. And then after you got the answer, 
I'm assuming, you know, maybe you agreed with it, maybe you didn't. It makes sense. Yeah, got, I just like to understand yeah. more than anything. Yeah. On the flip side of that, and I think I know the answer to this, but I'm, I want you to, to say, what's what do you love about your job? What's your favorite part of it? Oh, gosh. Um, by far, my favorite is when we're at a championship, and it really doesn't matter what championship. 100%. Because that's when I get to interact with the coaches and the student athletes uh, the most. Uh, and, and I just love that. Uh, because, you know, you truly get to see the hard work that's been put in, the gratitude that most of the time the student athletes um, show towards each other, towards their coaches, towards the event itself. Um, so I, I just I love being around when we have our championships and, and I'm able to interact with with uh, with the coaches and, and, the, and the student athletes and get to know them a little bit. Yeah, you can tell, too. Like, I, I knew that I, I could have answered that question for you. Well, Rob, you and I and and I don't think Kyle and the rest of my staff knows this, knows this, but you and I intersected a long time ago, back in 2011, I think it was. Yeah. And when nobody was streaming uh and um and you were an athletic you were the athletic director here at eou and um the frontier conference kind of put together a sports network and right. you guys bought the equipment but didn't really know what to do with it and uh and so then you guys hired me to come and direct the football games and that was that was a lot of fun uh and and so that's where you and I connected and got to know each other. And those were, those were fun days back then. I mean, nobody was streaming, you know, and, and that was, yeah, a cool it, thing. it was, uh, it, it was new to everybody. Right. So right, yeah, yeah. We, we bought the, we, we bought the TriCaster, we bought, yeah. you know, other stuff that I don't know what it did or whatever, <laughs> but, um, you, you know, you or somebody else said, Oh yeah, we need this or we need that. And, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, well, it, it really was on the on the on the ground floor of, of streaming, and now it just seems like you know it's so much easier to do uh, yeah. from a technical standpoint. Probably harder from a from a manpower and all of that because you have to do you know you have to keep up, right? You got to do all the graphics now. You got to do all the you know. But yeah, you you were you were kind of in on the ground level of that, and you know yeah. I see what Gib and, and others are doing now up at Eastern, yep. and they're just doing a, a great job and. And those productions are as are as good as anything you see. Um, they, they just do a great job. Yeah, and you, uh, I'm still I'm still in touch with Marty Lyons from. Are you? Yeah, up in Montana, we still intersect every once in a while. He's the one who kind of put that beginning network together uh, from a technical standpoint. Yeah, and that, I mean, that experience has drastically affected. I mean, that kind of, kind of again, we were. I mean, I love live production, loved it then, but a lot of that equipment was totally out of reach for me, you know, and, and so, and now you, you probably know we do the Shrine football game every, every, you know, summer. That's our biggest production. But that, you know, I mean, that is because, part of that is because of the experience that I had way early, you know, at EOU with the, the very beginning. Yeah, and Gib is kind of, he's, well, in fact, we hired Gib for the shrine football games he's part of our part of our team and staff and he does he just does a a tremendous job so um, there, there you go brent that that's the key to success is find the right people and and let them go to work right that's what i did with you and and yeah. uh and that's what you just did with gibbs so yep yeah and that it, it, and that's that really that's cool very, yeah that's very much our philosophy here is we try and i mean i i, I try and hire people that are may, way better at it than what I ever would be and turn them loose, give them some ownership in the process and, you know, that, and then, yeah, it's then center, real synergy happens. It, you know, something way bigger than what we ever could have imagined. Um, so I have a, a, I'm not a big sports guy. I mean, I enjoy sports, but how do conferences even begin? I mean, I don't, you know, how does, I mean, how does how did the collegiate conference how did that even start and and then i guess i wonder how are they paid for who pays your salary 
How is it, you know, how, do, how does the financial side of that work too? I'm curious. Yeah, good, good question. And, and I would say, you know, a, a conference, um, essentially it's, it's a group of like-minded institutions that, that uh, want to get together and form and, and, and provide an opportunity for intercollegiate athletics, right? Um, so there's 21 conferences in the NAIA. Uh, part of your national structure filters down because, you know, in, in, in the NAIA, um, getting to nationals requires what's called conference direct. So you go through your conference to get to a national tournament. Um, you can operate as an independent. Um, it's a lot harder to get to nationals or to get to postseason in that, in that role. Um, so for us in the NAIA, you know, a conference is really necessary because you want to have access to postseason. And, and in the NAIA, that access is, is through what's called direct qualification. Um, the Cascade Conference has been around for a lot of years. Uh, it actually started in, I think, 78 as a volleyball alliance. And then we kind of officially say we've been a, a conference since 1993. Um, so what happens is, uh, you know, all of the schools, there's membership dues that they pay uh, for the operation of the conference. And so you bring in those dues, um, you bring in revenue through sponsorship, things like that. Um, there are certain times where postseason revenue is brought to the, to the conference office, not all the time, but in, in some instances. And that's how the operations of the conference are funded. All right. And then how, what, how big is your staff? Who helps you with this as you operate here, Rob? Yeah, so uh, I, I'm, a, I, I'm considered a full-time employee, and then I have one other full-time employee. Her name is Courtney Blummer, and Courtney is our director of communications, and uh, she does an awesome job. And, and it, if you see any of our stuff coming out that's, that's graphic or video or Instagram and you know, all of that kind of stuff, it, that's Courtney. Um, she just does a tremendous job. Uh, she was an NAIA athlete. Uh, she moved here from, moved to Oregon from Minnesota. Um, and she's recently graduated. She has two degrees. She has a degree in communications and a degree in criminal justice, which is an interesting combination. <laughs> yeah. And um, she played softball at Cardinal Stritch, an NAIA institution, and, and uh, just a uh, has done an amazing job for us. As a matter of fact, uh, she's, it's almost one year since I hired her. Um, and then Sam Grist, who you guys know really well. Uh, Sam is what we call is our conference um, statistician. So he makes sure that all of our, all of our conference stats are up to date and, and, and he does all that stuff, Brent, to talk about, you know, get the right people and let them go. Sam understands all of the stat programs and, and how the schools get their stats to our conference office. Mm. And then he handles all of that. Um, he's part-time for me. And then I have an eligibility chair, Mickey Bush, who again is a part-time employee and she handles all of our eligibility. Um, so the way the eligibility works is a school um, does eligibility on their campus they submit it to our eligibility chair who reviews everything. And then ultimately it goes to the NAIA. So yeah, we're a small, we're, we're a small staff. Um, and, uh, but, uh, we, we, we think we're small, but mighty and we get a lot done <laughs> on behalf of our student athletes and, and work really hard at it. And, and it's easy to work really hard at it because it, it's just, it's, it's a labor of love really. So, and then again, these are newbie questions, but the non-sport, or they're sports questions, but just out of ignorance. And that is, so, but like, so at EOU, football is a part of the Frontier Conference, but volleyball is a part of Cascade, right? So, I mean, talk about, do schools, do they change their sports? I mean, how, why do, why are some sports in different conferences and do you have times that schools like well we want to move our sport from this particular sport from this conference to cascade 
I mean, maybe talk about that just a little bit. Yeah, that, that's a great question. And essentially, it goes back to our national organization and that direct qualification. So the magic number in the NAIA is six. So if you have six institutions sponsoring a particular sport, you would qualify for an automatic qualification to postseason. So when you look at football as an example, um, and when I was there as the AD, we were, us, uh, us in Southern Oregon were the only two schools in the, in the Cascade Conference sponsoring football. So obviously that's below the number needed for an AQ. So we actually applied to the Frontier Conference, Eastern did, and Southern did at the same time. Uh, we were admitted at the time when we got in in 2004, I think it was and Southern was not um, let in at that time. But we joined the conference for a couple of reasons. Number one, it provided our football program a home. So we didn't have to operate as an independent anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and at the time we brought value to the frontier because we were, they only had five schools participating. So we brought that AQ to them by, by them bringing us into the league, they were then guaranteed uh, an automatic qualification to postseason. Uh, so similar, if you look at the reverse of that, uh, Carroll College, Rocky, and Providence are in our league for soccer. Uh, they're the only three schools in the frontier sponsor soccer. So they were in the same situation just in reverse. So they applied to our league because what that does is that gives them access to that postseason. Plus, it also gives you a schedule, right? When you're an independent and you're out there trying to find in in the sense of football, you know, hey, I'm an independent. I have no built-in schedule. I, I have to go look for 10 games every year. Oh, yeah. Um, Not fun. Same, yeah, same thing in soccer, you know, Carroll and Rocky and Providence, they were out before they joined our league, they're looking for 18 games every year. Wow. Right. Um, so by joining our league, they, we brought them into the conference rotation. And, you know, so then you have on the men's side, as an example, you've got 13 of those 18 games built in. You don't have to think about it. So now I'm looking for five rather than 18. Wow. It's the same for men's wrestling too, right? Men's wrestling has some frontier schools that, that because there's no frontier conference in men's wrestling. Yeah, yeah, great, great point, Dodsey. Uh, same thing. Uh, about five years ago, wrestling went to what's called direct qualification. Uh, prior to that, they were, they had uh, regional tournaments where they would bring everybody together in a regional, and then the NAI switched that and said, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna go to direct qualification, just like we have for all of our other sports. I like that. So when that better. happened, yeah. So when that happened, we thought, Hey, you know what, here's an opportunity for us to take the lead, kind of control our own destiny, if you will. So at the time, Eastern had wrestling, uh, Southern Oregon had wrestling, Warner Pacific had wrestling. And so none, none of us, we didn't have enough for, for a direct qualification. The frontier didn't, some of the schools down in California and Arizona that are now part of our league didn't. So we took the lead on that and said, hey, we'll administer it. We'll, we'll serve as the home conference, if you will. And, uh, and so that's where, um, that, that's where that membership has grown from. Is that the same for women's wrestling too, pretty much? It is. It is, yeah. Okay, that's, that's cool. I like that. I like the fact that they got rid of those regional tournaments and it's just – you know, you have your conference championship and then, you know, you can qualify as many as 12 dudes. I mean, it's that simple. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty neat. Uh, yeah, you can enter up to 12 in the men's and women's conference tournament. Um, yeah. And then and then what's really cool is the number of allocations you get to nationals is based off your conference in that entire year. So and the CCC depending on time. We, we do get a ton and, and, and it's because we've got some, you know, really, really good wrestling programs in our, Absolutely. in our league. Yep. 
So if you're ranked individually in the top 25 at the at the end of the year before the tournament. So as an example, let's say there's 41 individuals ranked throughout all of the weight divisions um, in our league in the top 25. So what that means is that your conference gets 41 allocations wow. to nationals. Yeah. So now it's by, it's by the weight class. So, you know, let's say in heavyweight, you know, you got five dudes or five young women that are ranked in that top 25. Then in, in that weight class, you're sending five people to nationals. Yeah. Now including, they got to go win Including it. your conference champion. The, the, the conference champion is part of that five. That five, yeah. Yeah, so if, if I've got five, so let's say you're ranked number one in, in heavyweight and, uh, and you go there and you win it, you're one of those five that get to go. Yeah. But because now, if you ranked, four if you came in ranked. ranked number, yeah, but it, it, you got to still go perform. And that's what's really cool about it because yeah. you can come into the tournament ranked number one. So, so let's say you came into the tournament ranked number one and then you got beat. Well, you're not an automatic. Um, you'd have to wait and see if you get an at large. Gotcha. So, you, it, it, it makes the wrestling tournament intense right. <laughs> is there uh is there any um new sports co- i mean I, i'm a huge fan and i've been talking about this for a long time i think eou needs to get beach volleyball i've i've said that over and over and over we're really successful you look at corbin you know what i mean i don't see why we we haven't like tried for it yet are, are there any new sports coming that you can talk about or for for any of the well, first in the of ccc yeah, first of all, I would say uh, Khaki would agree with you that, um, 100%. that she's ready to add beach volleyball. Um, and I, I think they are looking at it and, and, and when they do it or if they do it, I know it'll be a, uh, it'll be a, a good decision and, and a decision made up, made done really well because Angie and Khaki and everybody does a great job up there. But, but beach volleyball is probably, um, I, I would say by next year, um, we will officially name beach volleyball a new championship sport. We have five right now that are competing in it. Again, that magic number is six. Yep. And uh, and from what I understand, um, we do have a couple of schools looking at adding it uh, and announcing that fairly soon. So I think beach volleyball is the next one. Um, beyond that, uh, I, I think, um, you know, we've added – We've added men's wrestling. We add women's wrestling, um, golf. We've had women's golf and men's golf. Um, beach volleyball is probably next up. On, and, and then after that, I'm not quite sure. Um, a few schools had had sponsored lacrosse, but then a couple of them ended up dropping lacrosse. Um, I don't think it's quite made it out west in in full yet. Um, very very popular in in eastern united states and, and yeah. so i think i think it's uh i think it's slowly migrating out this way but but that might be you know four or five years down the road for us that's been one of eou women's lacrosse's struggles is finding games i mean yeah. really like they're they're just constant there's not a lot of naia schools with lacrosse i mean i don't i, I don't I don't even i couldn't even name you another one actually just because you know there's not any out here yeah, I think College of Idaho has a club team. Um, Corbin had women's lacrosse, but they ended up dropping it, yeah. I believe, um, for for a lot of those reasons. And I think I think that's the hard part about adding a sport on your campus when when you don't necessarily have a, a built-in conference or a built-in um, schedule, because then you end up traveling all over the place, and and um, you know, so it costs a lot of money, may, may not get as many games. So I, I think you really have to um, really have to think through your sport offerings when you're looking at adding. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan for beach volleyball in eastern Oregon. I know it doesn't really make sense when you think about it in your head, like beach volleyball in eastern Oregon. Like, yeah. But it, I think it would just take our volleyball here to the next level. Honestly. How many teams are on a beach volleyball Sorry, how many players? Is it like uh, I mean, the it's beach... two on two. That's what I thought. Okay, yeah, okay. Two versus two, yeah. yeah. But the, the they they play they play a five 
five team match, if you will. So right. you have, so you have, you have five, five groupings of two versus two. Yep. It's five like tennis. So okay. you have yeah. your ones playing your, you know, like if EOU was playing Corbin, it'd be one, the, the first seed team versus the first seed team, second team versus the second, and then it's five matches, and then whoever okay. wins the most out of five is the... And then how many players are on each team? Just two? Two. two. Okay. There's no yeah. substituting. There's just no, like... No, it's just straight up two on two. Well, that's intense. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would be awesome. Yeah. So, <clears throat> well, Rob, thank you so much for being with us here yeah. today. Yeah. Awesome conversation and good to connect. When you and I talked on the phone the other day... I was like, okay, well, it told you where the studio was. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm not in LaGrande anymore. And I just, <laughs> I didn't even know. Yeah. So, but yeah. And thanks for waiting through the technical difficulties with us and stuff. The other day when you said, you, I mean, I talked to you on Monday. You said, well, I could come on tomorrow. And I'm like, uh, we need a little bit more time to figure out the, the technical side of it. So, but uh well, thank yeah, thank you. And and you got Bennett there handling the technical stuff. And, yeah, yeah. you know, Bennett, um, he, he may not know this, uh, but I was talking to his dad the other day because I was updating some of our records. And 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 Ben, his dad, obviously longtime coach at, at Eastern. Longest um, tenured. Yeah, he uh, he was named coach of the year again in cross country. And, and so I was updating our records and and I, I started counting. The, the guy's got 27 conference coach of the year awards between men's and women's cross country and track and field. 27. I mean, unbelievable. In 36 years. Wow. He's got 27 of them. And then, uh, uh, this will be a good one. I haven't even told Ben this. Um, I was updating national records because uh, the College of Idaho coach um, was the national coach of the year for women's cross country. So I was going through those records and Ben was the national coach of the year in 1997. I didn't even know that. So I had to update that record as well. Wow. 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 Yeah. He's EOU's longest tenured coach, 36 years. Yeah. yeah he's got his own great little job. office out in the field house now. He's happy. <laughs> oh man, that, that added, that added 15 years to his career having right. that field house. <laughs> Hey, it's a huge recruiting point for EOU and for the Cascade Conference as well. Yeah. yeah. I, I will say, Dodsey, that, that that might also be something we're looking at is indoor track and field as a championship sport. A number of our, our schools uh, participate in indoor. Um, we just have never had, uh, you know, even the, the hint of, of where would we do it. But now with Ben having that facility, uh, yeah. it really is, is a possibility now and, and could be a reality in the next few years. Nice. That, and just so people know, what he's talking about is, we yes, there's a lot of teams in the CCC that have indoor track and field, but right now they're on a, a qual automatic qualifier system. Like they don't have a championship at the end of indoor track and field that decides who's going to go, that you have to hit a certain mark in order to make it to nationals in indoor track and field. Yeah, and, and that's the same in outdoor too. We just, we choose to have a, a conference championship in outdoor and, and you can use that as a qualifier as well. But um, but yeah, you, you're right. Uh, you're not required to have a conference championship in indoor and outdoor <clears throat> track and field um, to move on to, to nationals. Right, cool. All righty. Well, hey, thanks. Hang, hang around with us for just a minute while we do the end of the show. Yeah, why don't you take Thank it you, away. guys. Yeah, yeah, we appreciate yeah. you. Thank you. All right, let's get, let's get them out of here. On this day, 1751, December 14th, the first military academy in the world, the Theresian Military Academy, is founded in Austria. On this day in 1793, the first state road is authorized in the U.S., it ran from Kentucky to Cincinnati. 1903, on this day, the Wright brothers' first attempt to fly the Wright Flyer in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. Obviously, it was unsuccessful because uh, it wouldn't say the first attempt. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it would say they flew. Yeah. 1976, 67 on this day, DNA is created for the first time in a test tube. Huh. 2003 on this day, U.S. President George W. Bush announces the capture of Saddam Hussein. 
2016 on this day, Amazon announces its first delivery by drone. Two kilometers from their warehouse in the UK. Hmm. So they delivered a package two kilometers away by drone. That's crazy. I, I'm surprised we don't have more drone deliveries now. Yeah. I mean, it, They're working on it. And then 2021 on this day, Steph Curry made his 2,974th three-pointer to surpass Ray Allen as the NBA's all-time three-point shooter. Wow. Quote for the day. Oh, yeah. Should we do quote first? Yeah, let's do quote first today. You can't get much done in life if you only work on the days you feel good. <laughs> and that's Laker great Jerry West. Um, one more time. You can't get much done in life if you only work on the days you feel good. And then we'll end it with this one. The number one song in America on this day in 1993. Again, by Janet Jackson. All right. Boom. Yep. Well, hey, thank you, Rob, again for being with us. Appreciate it. Yeah. And appreciate uh, you guys. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Eastern Oregon. We'll see you soon.